like I said, we're glad to be here tonight. Thankful for Terry asking us to stand. Um, I'm kind of a little nervous. I'm not as prepared as I usually am. He kind of called this afternoon and said Linda still wasn't feeling well and he wanted to stay home with her, which I feel is perfectly fine. I, I understand that completely. And uh, we're glad we can help help him out. And uh, we're just honored to be here and grateful. And um, I don't have a lot on my heart, and we don't have anybody to sing or anything, but um, you really pray. I, I do have a thought, and um, I've had some, some scriptures on my mind and my heart that I want to read. And um, you know, I was my whole thought today, I guess, has been on just building things, and that's been the projects I've had lately is just building this or building that or making this project work. And um, anybody that knows me knows I, I can't sit still. I'm not a TV watcher. I'm not a person that can just sit there and, you know, not do anything physically. And uh, my whole life, it seems like, I've always found a project. Uh, I bought a boat, fixing that up. You know, I found a table that was broken. I wanted to fix it. Yeah, I just always have something. And um, I was thinking about that after Terry called. And this was kind of, it was funny because this was kind of what I was thinking about this morning was... um, I told Annie about Jesus being a carpenter. And uh, a lot of people, you know, they don't remember that. They think of him as Christ the Savior. They think of him as, you know, Jesus the man that came and uh, died on the cross. But, uh, you know, he he had a job like everybody else. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting because if you look into that, um, he didn't have uh, a carpenter's position like we would know today. It was a do-all. Um, if there was anything needed done, he could do it. He was basically a master of all, and um, I think that's pretty neat, you know, because I, I think of him as the master of all anyways, and spiritually. But to know that he had a job that I'm physically able to do, um, you know, as far as building things and making things, and there'll be times I sit there and I'll I'll be putting something together and I think, you know, this is the trade that Jesus did. This is what he was doing. And you can relate it to Scripture and you can show it uh, in, your, in your mind, in your heart, on a personal level. And uh, it's pretty cool to me. And it's something I, I really cherish. So I wanted to share that before I got reading and whatnot. But um, just so you could know where my mindset and my heart is this evening. But um, you really pray. Uh, I, I want to start, and this is in Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. And uh, This might be a short service, but um, we are thankful to be here and thankful that we can stand tonight. But this is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And uh, I remember the first time I read this, I thought, wow, how despairing is that? I I really, I looked at it as, man, that that didn't please me well when I read it. I was kind of on the aspect of, well, geez, he sounds depressed. (laughs) And uh, I didn't realize what he was actually saying. Um, I was thinking of it naturally, what the words were that he was saying. But when you read this scripture, and you read through Ecclesiastes, you realize he's not saying, woe's me. He's saying, those things don't take precedence over these things. And you say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm saying, 
Yeah, naturally, those things aren't going to add up to a hill of beans. But he was trying to say, don't focus on those because spiritually, there is so much more that is important and worthwhile. And uh, that reminded me of Christ. And uh, I think about his trade as a carpenter, and I think about how he, he, I'm sure he made probably some really cool stuff, some really neat things, things that people probably at the time were like, wow, I wonder how he did that. I wonder how he made that. Well, that's pretty neat. It was broken, but he fixed it. But those things are not wrote down. Those things aren't remembered. Those things have no place in the Bible. I've not read one time where it talks about his craft naturally. Just like I'm sure, you know, people will never talk about Jordan Martin going and fixing their phone line after they're long and dead. Their children aren't going to remember Jordan Martin showed up to mom and dad's house, yada, 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 and he fixed it. Uh, they're going to remember Jordan Martin told my dad about how he got saved. Jordan Martin told him how God's changed his life. That's what I'm getting at in this scripture. Christ didn't come to show us naturally all these funny little things. He came spiritually to show us how great of a work we could do. And that's what amazes me is when Christ came, uh, he wasn't worried about what his job title was. He was only worried about salvation. He was only worried about, you know, saving the lost people that were throughout the land. And, uh, and I'm so thankful that God took the time not to focus on his natural job, but put all of his effort into his spiritual job. And uh, why? Because, because if he didn't do that, I would have never got the most important thing. He could have painted the Mona Lisa. He could have built the cathedrals in Rome. It wouldn't have mattered to me. But when he died on, on that cross, that mattered to me. That changed my life. It saved my soul. Changed my eternal destiny. I mean, when he did that, everything went a whole nother direction. And that's so important. So important. It's a miracle. Why in the world, you know, do we focus on things of this world? You know, there's a, a, a table I'm working on right now. And I got a little aggravated today. And I told Annie, I said, how stupid am I? I did this and I did that. And it kind of flustered me. But that don't matter. That table in a hundred years won't be around. It might not be around ten years. But I want people to know that the table that God made for me, spiritually, that I'm sitting at, the table that I dwell at, that is my habitual place that I go to, that will last forever. That is something I can go to time and time again. It's something that I can reach out for and eat from time and time again. God is a spiritual man on all levels. I think He knows. Naturally, we, we dread you know, certain things and we have certain things we have to do daily uh, just to live and survive. But he's not uh, saying, you know, hey, you know, just give all those things your time and just give me a little hour here or there throughout the week when Sunday rolls around. You know, it says there, it says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Folks, everything we're doing, as far as natural gain goes, it's not, it's not going to give you what you're looking for. You know, I think about so many times as a young person, I thought, I need to make this amount of money to be happy. 
I thought, I have to have these things in order to be happy. I have to, you know, have this, this family structure. I have to have this house. I have to have this, this vehicle, and I have to have this job. Those things don't matter. All that matters is if you've got a, a job that keeps the lights on, you've got a family that knows God's love, you've got a, a house that's, you know, able to be a home. There's a difference in having, you know, a real nice house and a home. There's people that live in real big houses that there is no love in. There's people that live in mansions that don't know God's Spirit. Those aren't homes. Home is when you can come home and feel the, the gospel from your mom and dad. Home is where you can just speak freely about the Spirit of God moving during your day. When you're sitting at the supper table and you pray, uh, you can do it freely and know exactly the man who died to give you that. That is a home. That is what we should strive to build. That is a work that will never, ever, ever be thought as, as worthless. You'll never feel vexation about that kind of home. And that's what I want to get at this evening. Is these works that he's saying that are worthless or vanity. It's, it's a whole nother work. Uh, it's that natural stuff that we put in our heads and get in the way of our hearts. And we say, i got to put my time to this. I, this takes priority because it's all we can see. When in all reality, there is a work going on that is so much more important. There's a work that needs to be done. We need to get out the hammer of faith. And we need to get out the tool chest that has the things we need in it, like the Spirit and the Gospel and that heart of compassion and love. And we need to use those to build homes for our people so that they can have uh, eternal salvation, so that they can dwell in these places while they're here, and that they can invite people in and show them what they have, so that they can in turn see that, hey, these things that I'm working on aren't really worth anything. I want what they've got. And that they can come and strive and try to build it you know, with the Lord themselves. You know, that's, that's what life is all about. It's about sharing and caring the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. If we're not doing that, it is vanity. It's that simple. I enjoy piddling around building things. I enjoy working on things with my hands. But those things, they, they only give me part-time enjoyment. They give me a little bit of hassle. They give me a little bit of fun for a moment. But what I really enjoy about it is how I can see the scriptures and some of the things I do turning nothing into something, as Christ did for me. He took an eight-year-old boy who had no worth, had no, no glory in him, had no, uh, I guess you could say, prominence in the church. He, I mean, I was nobody. I was just Jordan Martin. I mean, as far as my mom and dad goes, they probably thought I was, you know, the greatest gift they had, you know, as long as, long as uh, Andrew Logan didn't say so. But uh, I'm thankful that God saw something more in me. When He looked at me, it was like a carpenter who saw something in the wood grain, something that He could mold and turn, you know, like that potter the Bible talks about, how He molds him into something worthwhile, a vessel that can hold, you know, something that's, uh, I guess, like water. You know, I'm telling you folks, God is so good. He's so good. He's more than what we ever deserved. And you think, well, preacher, you know, I, I don't live poorly. 
You don't have to live poorly to know that God is so much higher than we are. God is so much better. You know, and I, you say, well, preacher, you, you know, what, what are we, just dogs? Well, according to the scripture, it kind of says that. I, I'll see if I, you know, I, it says here in Ecclesiastes, I, I believe this is the right verse. It says in uh, chapter 3, verse 18, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and, they, and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Talking about death. Even one thing befalleth them, as the, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above the be, a, be, a beast. For all is vanity, all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to the dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward towards the, to the earth. For where, wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice his own, in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? And uh, I think that's kind of interesting, you know, that the Bible refers us to beasts. And uh, I'll tell you, folks, um, I, I, I go into people's houses every day, uh, and it amazes me how true that scripture is. Um, it's sad to me to walk into some places and think that uh, people can act like animals sometimes. And I'm not saying we're running around on all fours acting like savages. But what I'm saying is our disregard for other things going on. You say, what do you mean? We can get so focused on an animal, like an animal does, so focused on just surviving that we don't realize we can thrive. That's what the Bible teaches us. It, you know, when he says those things are vanity, he's saying it because it's a waste of time. Don't put all your time in it. it you know, yeah, we got to survive. Yeah, we got to eat. We got to have jobs to put money in the, in the bank so we can pay our bills. But those things, they're just, they're just things we got to do. There's another portion of life that God established for each and every one of us. And it is a portion that we can truly thrive in. And I'm telling you, if you're not saved, and you don't have salvation, and you're not driving yourself to, to see how much God has done for you, and you're not in that portion over here that is thriving, you ought to get over there. Because it is good. It is good ground. I mean, I can't, I can't explain to it. I, I explain it to you. Uh, I wish I could. I wish I could just take my life and how I feel inside and just let you have it for a day. Let you walk around in God's presence for a day. Let you feel the love and the connection you have with others that are not in the same circumstance you are. You know, we talk about like people being lost and, you know, how God gives us a burden for them. How he gives us conviction for him, you know, to come and get saved.